Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast. I am your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, and I am sort of floating, having a wonderful post-dance party glow going on right now. Um, We are recording this podcast beginning of January, and we are back into some lockdown situations and been feeling a lot of weight, a lot of heaviness from, well, everything. And as always, that dance party shifted gears for me. So Thank you to my amazing guest, Sandy Falcon, who chose some kick-ass songs. And um, I was just saying to her that um, when I'm dancing to the songs and I'm feeling like I'm, my connection to my guest is, in, is like, we're, it, it's improving and I get all these like intuitive hits about things and I'm taking notes about things that I'm thinking about you. And um, I, I'm, I may have landed on the title for this podcast, even though we haven't had it yet. So I'm not 100% sure what we're going to talk about specifically, but I have a feeling I already know what it's called. So anyway, <laughs> welcome, Sandy. Welcome to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast. And you, um, it has been an absolute joy getting to know you and very eye-opening, very uh, inspiring. And me, you know me, I'm the curious person who's like, oh, tell me more about that. Oh, I'm very excited about that. And when we started to work together and you started to share with me um, a bit about your past and the things that you had gone through and the life experience that you had, and um, I just found it, it's fascinating. Yes. And I know that you're going to dive into a few things. Um, But what I think is awesome is that how you share all of the experiences that you've gone through for who like for some people, it would be a really, really heavy, heavy conversation to have. You, you share in such a way that invites us in and gives us the opportunity to be with you without, um, without it being too much, even though it is very, very big in some instances. So I'm very excited to hear about the story that you're going to be sharing with us today and to share a little bit about your journey and where you've kind of landed, um, you know, 2021 and what is unfolding for you, because I'm, again, super, super fucking inspired by um, how you've run with your passions and, and what really lights you up. So welcome, my friend. Thank you for being here. Well, I am so very excited to be here. Um, It's uh, completing the circle, I want to say, from when I met you to where we are today. Um, When I first saw you in in a meeting that by some uh, weird way the universe worked, I ended up in and knowing absolutely no, no one in that meeting and meeting you, um, I was just drawn to you. And I'm so happy that I continued with that relationship because I had no idea what it was gonna do for me. And um, for that, I am incredibly grateful for being in your presence, for being your friend, for learning so much from you. So this podcast means the world to me right now. It's so, I feel so special because, it, it's a big deal. It was a big deal. I remember hearing you had a podcast and I was like, what? She has a podcast. She's like famous. That's so cool. <laughs> so um, being on your podcast now is like, wow, this is like, this is it. Like I've hit my pivotal point in uh, meeting Dion Thompson. So thank you so much for having me today. <laughs> You're awesome. I love that. It, you know, I appreciate it. And I, 
I appreciate that the experience for you, I mean, to watch you go from where we were when we first met to where you are today. I mean, it's, it is, um, again, just a, an awe-inspiring thing to observe because yes, okay, I appreciate that, you know, it, you met me and, and things transpired, but what I know and what others um, in your world are already aware of is the, the spark that you have um, just needed a little light and out came everything that was meant to happen. So um, we we're both famous and we're both shining lights and we're both doing great things. And I'm excited to talk a little bit about your adventure with podcasting, but we'll get to that in a little bit. The message, the experience that we, we want to share here is um, the learning that goes with being in those hot mess moments and and then taking that and moving forward and oftentimes not having a clue um, what's happening in the moment, but being able to up level and up level and up level with a, a sense of knowing or a, a faith, if you will, in your potential. And um, so tell us a little bit about your journey and, and what you've learned along the way that's brought you to a space where you are now um, a highly educated mom of four podcaster so yeah like the the journey has been interesting um i clearly i've been able to achieve education which um was was a part of my journey that um i i wasn't able to embrace or feel proud of it was i had been living my life kind of going through these motions or these steps that I believed were for whatever reason these things embedded in my my brain or um like just ideas that I thought I was supposed to do certain things in life in order to achieve whatever greatness or, or some sort of recognition or I mean it was like I was always looking for a finish line and I didn't know how to get there I didn't know what that looked like so I was following everybody else's ideas of what that looked like. So um, I, I had been married. So to start my journey, I would say probably started when I was about 17 years old. Um, up until I was 17 years old, I, I had like, I, I, would, I would say it was a regular life. Um, mom, dad, mom and dad got divorced when I was 10, lived with my mom, moved to another country. I, I moved back to Ecuador. So I was born in Ecuador, came to Canada when I was young. And then we had gone back when I was 13. I didn't like living in Ecuador. I just, it didn't fit with me. So I came back to Canada. I lived with my sister and my niece because my dad couldn't take care of me because of his work. Um, but he was still there. And then a few years later, when I was 16, my father remarried and he got married to a wonderful lady who lived in um, New Orleans. And we thought it would be a good idea for me to go live in New Orleans in my 10th uh, grade 10 year. Uh, so I finished grade 10 in Canada. I moved to uh, Kenner, Louisiana for my grade 11 year, lived with my stepmom and my step siblings and um, made it work. It was fine. I loved it there. And it was, it was fine. And then I moved to Georgia because my dad wanted to live in Georgia or for work or something. And then I lived in Georgia and I was, I was settling in, everything was, was pretty good. And then um, my mom had moved back from Ecuador back to Canada. And um, I decided that after four years of barely seeing her that I should come back to Canada to visit. So I did, and I got stuck here. By stuck, I mean, <laughs> because we were doing my um, application for my green card at the time. We didn't know that I wasn't supposed to leave the country at, uh, while the application was in process. And if I did, the application was null and void and therefore I couldn't go back to the States for a year. So I got stuck basically in Canada with my mom, which was at that point a human that I hadn't lived with in over four years. Last time I had lived with my mom, I was 13. Now I was 17 going on 18. And we were very different people. And my world was just 
basically I lost my bearings mm. when I started living with my mom. Although I was back in a country that I knew that I didn't originally want to leave. Um, I don't know how or what it was, but I just, I didn't feel at home and I quickly went downhill from there. So I was supposed to graduate in, in that year. Like when I turned 18, I pretty much stopped going to school. Um, everything just started to go down. I made a lot of new friends. I started going places that I probably shouldn't have been at that age. Um, and then I started using drugs when I was 17. And that stayed with me until I was 34 years old. From the age of 17 to 34, I was an addict. I had four children in between, well, three, and then got pregnant with my fourth. Um, and it was a very scary world that I lived in. Um, I also got married and um, divorced the first time. That happened um, when I was about 21 years old. And um, I got married for all the wrong reasons. I got married because I thought that that's what I was supposed to do because I was pregnant and you're supposed to just get married and start a life. And that was not the case in, in my relationship. It was the wrong decision. We should have never gotten married. We didn't know each other. And that was evident at the beginning. So we separated. Um, then after that, I remarried uh, when I about four years later, and I married my best friend's brother, who was um, my best friend at the same time. He was always there. He was there with me, with my best friend. He knew everything about me. There were no secrets. So I felt that it was the perfect opportunity and the perfect person to get married to. Um, and we had two children together. But um, that relationship was not a marriage we were friends and that's what we remained and um, we I don't think we, either one of us really knew how to evolve in that marriage as um, a married couple should um, so that relationship just lost its foundation I want to say when I started to want to change so when I decided that um, I, I, I wasn't happy in, in the world that I was living in. Um, I wanted to start to change. I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to do things for myself, but I didn't know how. And um, I only knew the friends that I believed were similar to me. Um, it, it just, it was very difficult for me to change my life if I wasn't going to change the environment that I was in. So in doing so, my relationship with my husband kind of just disappeared. It just, it, it ceased to exist. So we got separated. And when we got separated, I was a single mom of three children and I had to move cities again, had to go back to Toronto and I was on social assistance. Um, I was lost. I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know where to go. Um, my, my mom wasn't in Canada anymore. She had moved back to Ecuador. My dad was still in the States. Um, I, I, I felt very, very confused and very scared. And um, I had that elephant in the room, which was my addiction that I had nobody to really talk to because I was afraid of judgment. And I was afraid that in sharing my story, people were going to think bad things of me or the type of human being that I was, or what kind of a mother was I, if I was an addict and I had these children and I shouldn't be an addict because I have these children. You have reasons not to use drugs and you have reasons to be a good person and you're you have these blessings and I I understood all of that but my mind wouldn't allow me to believe any of it I didn't believe that I was worthy of anything good that could possibly happen to me I wasn't worthy of a healthy relationship with my husband I wasn't worthy 
of education. I wasn't worthy of anything that could possibly be good. And I self-isolated and I tried to keep myself away from people as much as possible because I didn't want anybody to know who I really was. And in that, I did have friends. I mean, I did have people that I could call friends, but they didn't know what I was doing to myself. They didn't know about my addiction. They knew that I was a good mom, that I took care of my kids, and that was all they needed to know. Anything else was mine and mine alone, and I had to figure out how to change if I wanted to change. And that was scary. It was hard. Um, so it, it was it was very interesting because I didn't, I have friends from when I was 10 years old that were still a part of my life that knew nothing about what I was doing. Mm. So sitting down to actually tell anybody what was going on was a shock to everybody. Um, but I did get there. I, I did get to the point where one, I found, and not that I was looking, but I had found a human that loved me unconditionally, knowing everything that was wrong with me, because in my attempt to push him away from me, I told him that I was an addict, that I had no work, that I had three kids, that I was on welfare, that I would be nothing but a burden to him. Why would he want to be with me? And he told me that he didn't care about all of those things, that he loved me for me, and he was not going to go anywhere. And he didn't. He <laughs> stayed the entire time, and he's still here. So I did marry him. Um, and with his help and knowing that there actually was a human in the world who wanted to love me, even though he knew I was broken, um, inspired me to want to change. And I wanted to stop self-sabotaging myself and continuously feeding that fear of what if I'm not a really good mom? What if I really am a piece of shit like everybody probably thinks I am? What if I tell people the truth, then they're going to know who I really am. And I decided that at that point, I was losing everything, including my connection to my children, because I just felt like I wasn't worthy of their love. And that was the furthest thing that I wanted for them to ever think that I didn't love them back. Because I did. I loved, I loved everybody, but I didn't love myself. So how do you show love if you can't love yourself? Um, so, Sandy, tell me about that moment when... Um, so your husband is believing in you and he's standing his ground and being like, no, that like, I don't see it that way. I don't see you that way. I see things that you obviously can't see. And I'm just going to stay here until you figure it out. Tell me about that moment when you did tell me about that moment when you went, Oh, that's what he's been talking about. That's the me, the, the me, that he's been able to see that I had no concept of, that I had hidden away, tucked away, sheltered. Tell me about that moment when you're, you realized that he hasn't just been pulling the wool over your eyes. That, it took years for me. He's, he never stopped saying that. Like he said it from the first day we were together, but it took me years to actually hear the words and flip them into actually having meaning. All the years that he had told me that before, like at the beginning when I decided to get clean, I started to slowly, it was like I lived in this, in, in this kind of like in a rock, let's say, but a rock is solid. Let's just call it like a chocolate, a hollow chocolate. So it was really dark inside. And I, um, I had all of these good messages coming at me, but the chocolate never broke. It was like, yeah, sure. It would just kind of bounce off. Eventually with being clean, 
um, after a few years of, of being clean, I think talking about six years of being clean, um, one, he, he sat down with me and he was like, you are going to do great things. You are the only one that doesn't see that. And I remember when he said that, I was like, what are you talking about? And it was like that day when I sat down and I thought about it, I had realized that I had made it this far in life and I had well-rounded children. I was clean for six years. I was married. I was back in school. I had gone back to, to college. I was moving things around in my life. And it was like that day, it was like somebody took something hot to the chocolate and it melted just a little bit. And then it was like this little light kind of started shining in and I started looking out and I was like, oh, maybe I am capable of doing all of these things. Maybe I am capable of learning and accepting love and being loved. And I was like, I like this feeling. I'm going to do more of this. So I continued to look for things that made me happy, which one was education, huge. I always wanted to go back to school. Um, so I continued my education. I, I finished my law clerk um, program, my diploma. And then I, I felt like I wasn't done yet. And I was like, okay, good for you. You got a diploma, now what? And I was like, hmm, I don't wanna stop. So I'm gonna go to university to do what? I don't know, but I'm going to go. So I decided to go into university. And again, I, I went through all the motions. I did my things. I got my degrees. I'm at not only one, I got two degrees. And um, still at this point, I felt a little resistance um, to, yeah, well, you did what you had to do. But really, who doesn't get degrees? And at that point in my life was when I had met you. And um, I, I remember when I met you and I was like, Dion, I don't know how to accept things for what they are. Like, I don't get it. I should be happy that I got two degrees, right? And I remember you're like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, that's a big deal. And I was like, but I don't feel it. I didn't feel that. It was like I had this shell over me that wouldn't allow me to be happy or to feel, I don't know what, it was weird. It was like, I couldn't feel these things. And I remember I had to share with you my past. And I was like, Dion, you know what? Honestly, I don't feel that I am worthy of any of these things because I was an addict for 17 years and I've been clean for almost seven years. And it was like, you heard those words, but it didn't change the way you thought of my degrees. And it was like, but you've achieved degrees. Like you're there, this is great, this is fantastic. And yeah, you were an addict, but that doesn't define you. That doesn't make you like, you're not deserving of anything. And little by little, it was like, I heard you say these things and, and coaching with you, it was like, oh, wait, that's a, okay. So I got two degrees. So I started to feel <laughs> happy for the things that I had achieved. And I realized then that my addiction didn't define who I am. It was a part of my life that I lived and it's there, but it's not the reason that I can't be happy today. I can't continuously beat myself up because of something that I had done because like it or not, it was never a choice for me. I was, it was a disease and I was addicted and it was, it was something that I've, I'm grateful that I'm able to look back and say, wow, that was really shitty, but look at where I am now. I've moved forward. I've, I've, I've evolved. Per se. You know, I just want to highlight because, you know, you, you were um, an, an addict for 17 years. That's a large chunk of your life. And you didn't live under a rock during those 17 years. 
And what I always find fascinating is how we can develop this pattern of negating or not even paying attention to what we are actually like the things that we're doing. So yes, when you focus your attention on, you know, addiction really focuses your attention. You really don't get to think about anything else. It's very consuming. And I can appreciate that. But all the while that you were putting all of, or a lot of your energy into being an addict, you were still living. You were still raising children. You were still having ideas. You were still experiencing moments of hope and joy and continuously showing up for yourself in those tiny instances of life that your sort of conscious addict self didn't let you see, but it still happened. So I remember having that conversation with you and being like, yeah, okay, that happened, sure. But it isn't the only thing that happened because you, your path to education, your path as a parent, your path to um, accepting love, all of those pieces happened while you were healing. And it didn't happen all after. You didn't have to stop being an addict in order to start living your life. You, there are things were transpiring. And you know, for anybody who's listening that whatever the thing is that you feel you are focusing your attention, that's consuming you, the, what I want everybody to know is that there are still parts of your story that are happening whether you're reading those pages or not. And, you know, the, the idea of who we are, you know, I'm a mom, I'm an entrepreneur, I am a recovering addict, I am, I am. It's, it's part of this linear narrative that we create. So we pick out the pieces of our life that then we glue them together. And then we create who we are based on our experiences in those moments of time. But that's not how life works. There are many things that transpire alongside of the pinpoints that we choose. And when we decide to shine a light on different aspects of our story and kind of turning the page on the parts that we had been using and, and um, connected to for so long, all of a sudden it, it shifts in things instantaneously. I remember that moment when you're like, yeah. And then literally from that second on your woman, like, yeah, now, now I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this. And look at all these other things that I did. Oh yeah. And I want to do this. I want to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm, gonna do this. I'm like, yes, because you didn't have to do something new in order to identify your potential and to see your greatness. You literally just had to shine a light on the person you already are. And, and that is what your husband saw. That is what the people who you know, I refer to, to them as your believing mirrors, the ones who can see your greatness, even when you're completely sheltering yourself from it. Um, because it didn't match your belief system at the time. And, you know, if leading into that moment that when you're 17 and you're stuck in the country, there's a lot of other things that happened that start to um, create this idea of who we are and what we're worthy of and what we deserve. And, um, and for you, you know, you would put together these pieces of who you were. And at the same time, who you really are had always been there. And I'm just, again, I, it was a, like a, what's coming to me now is like a miraculous moment that wasn't, it was just this turning point, if you will, this door opening. I love the, <laughs> love the pinhole in the melting chocolate. I think that's brilliant. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited to have you share with us more about what you have learned now that you are looking back on the, the stories, the stories that had once defined you and the parallel stories that you're now choosing and, and what you have learned about what is possible moving forward. What I've learned about what is possible moving, well, there's so, so many things I've learned. And um, the one thing I agree 100% with you is that that person who I was, even when I was an addict, is kind of like 
uh, a layer of, of who I was, but the core me, the me, the Sandy Sandy is exactly this Sandy who is here. It was just that I had layers and layers of, of just limiting beliefs is, is your, <laughs> your phrase. But um, I had all of these limiting beliefs that were stacked on top and stacked on top and I couldn't get past those to, to see who I really was, but I was always there. And even in all of that time of addiction, I remember I used to listen to podcasts and I used to listen to YouTube videos and I used to watch Oprah and I used to watch Ellen. And I was like, I love this. I, this is who I'm going to be one day. I, I can talk to people. I want to share with people. I want people to feel safe. I want people to be able to talk to someone who's not going to judge them. Um, you know, like it was always this thing about if people only knew the truth behind everybody that they see then they would probably feel more comfortable to be able to come out and say yeah you know what I also had an issue but I know that doesn't define me I am a wonderful human being a few little flaws here and there but nevertheless a wonderful a wonderful human being um, so what I've learned is that one taking care of me is not selfish. That's the biggest one. That was a huge, huge one I had to get over because I have two children with disabilities. I have um, oh, I have four children. My mindset um, and culture had always been you, you take care of your husband, first of all, and you also have to take care of your, your, your children and you have to work and you have to be, you know, self-sufficient. You, you need to do all of these things, but never had I ever heard growing up that I had to take care of me, that there was, there was never a chance for the matriarch of the house to take care of themselves. That just didn't exist. You are here to take care of others. That's just what it is. That's how it works. Right. Right. So hearing from you like saying you know what makes you happy I didn't even know how to answer that question it was like what me happy like first <laughs> I get a choice like I thought doing school was what I was doing to make me happy which of course makes me happy but besides that what else was we, I we just need to pause and say tell everybody what it is that you're doing in school so that because I have a comment to make about you know, school should make you happy. So what is it that you take, you do in school? What's your area um, of expertise? So right now I'm doing my master's in social justice. Right. So I just want to highlight there, brilliant work. I'm ex I, I love talking to you about it. You're, it's amazing what it is that you're going to do to help change the world. But it definitely falls in line with, yes, it makes me happy, but really the purpose is to help other people, yeah. right? I mean, it's social justice, right? It's not about me. Yet I remember that conversation we had when you were telling me about your professor who was like, hey, Sandy, it is about you. You were like, the reason why this is here, you, your journey and your experiences matter and you have a story to tell and it matters. And we're happy that you're here expressing your voice because you matter. And I remember you being like, uh, I do. Um, okay. And, uh, watching that unfold. So I just wanted to, cause I, I did the same thing. Don't get me wrong. I took all kinds of school that was, well, I mean, it's for other people. It's just this thing. It's just, it brought me a lot of joy. And I almost, it was like a guilty pleasure almost to have, to be so excited about something, but then it was easy then take it and go, Oh, but it's just this serve, serving the world. Like, look, it's the good. I'm, I'm doing my duty. So anyway, it was a little bit of a tangent there, but I just wanted to, <laughs> to highlight that um, it made its way into that as well. So where you thought, and it, it does bring you joy, but where you thought the joy was, you had masked it with, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's for the greater good. So it's all good. Anyway. Exactly. <laughs> How dare I take anything that would only help me. No, I have to help everybody else. Um, so, 
So what has changed now that you have taken the steps to make your happiness a priority and, um, and, and how has it changed on the day to day? How has it changed sort of in your scope when you look ahead to, you know, years down the road? Um, how has it changed? Oh my gosh, it's completely changed my entire, everything, everything has changed. It's, I, I can't even believe who I am right now, not who I am now, but what I have allowed myself to do with all of this newfound, I want to say confidence maybe, because I don't, I don't think I was confident before, but I, I'm happy and I'm, I'm pursuing I'm pursuing things that I was afraid to pursue in the past. So what have I done? I have, I have done so many things. Um, <laughs> but the biggest thing that I have done is I've started my own podcast. That was <laughs> huge. That was one of those things I had thought in the back of my mind, I would probably never be able to achieve because I, one, had no idea how that podcasting worked. And two, the idea I had in, in doing my podcast was to share my story of addiction and put it out there in the world. That was probably one of the scariest things that I have ever decided that I wanted to do publicly because my uh, resistance kept saying, are you crazy? You're going to tell the world that you were an addict. What are they going to think of you? And it was okay. I had finally achieved the point in my life where I am perfectly fine with whatever the world wants to think of me because I can't control what other people think. And what people think of me, honestly, is not my business at the end of the day. I mean, it is what it is. But the greater good is that I want people to feel that there is somebody out there in the world who if they met me today and they were like, wow, Sandy, you got your shit together. You got two degrees. You have a car. You have a house. You're married. You have, you know, great children. Your son graduated high school. Every, everything is perfect. And I would love for somebody to, to meet me like this and say, it looks perfect. What else could you possibly want? And I could just say, yes, but I was an addict for 17 years and I'm okay. And you can be okay. Being an addict doesn't mean you, you're not good. You are good regardless. And nobody wants to talk about it because they're so afraid of what other people may think. At the end of the day, addiction is a disease, it's there, but that doesn't stop you from living out a completely fulfilling life eventually. I mean, getting clean and, and, and doing all of the steps and doing all of the things, people can, can achieve greatness, everybody can. And, and even if it's not through addiction, it's anything, anything that has this limiting belief on us is just that, it's a limiting belief. But at the core, we are these exceptional human beings that just, it's like our ears are covered and we refuse to hear that we could possibly do anything good. Mm -hmm. And then once you start to achieve that good, little by little, by little, just stepping outside of that dark circle and letting in more light, you, you start to get to a place where you're able to continue to push out light instead of allow darkness to take over, if that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so tell me about your podcast itself, because I, I am, it's a fantastic podcast and the I think the premise or the idea that you um, use to create it really aligns with your own journey and it actually taps into you know way back when you were starting out and just looking to um, find a friend so tell us a little bit more about your podcast so my podcast um, has started off 
right now, it's, it's going to be a series of different uh, topics. So right now I'm starting in the history part of my podcast so people can get to know me. And then from there, because I do speak in my history about my addiction, when it started, I, I speak about my first marriage and my divorce. I speak about the birth of my first son and then um, the other children as they started to come and then my next divorce. So I'm going to break it up into topics of, for example, divorce. What does that look like? Mm. I've had two of them from two very different people. Um, children and disabilities. So for example, my two eldest sons have mild intellectual disability. Um, one of those series will be about mild intellectual disability. What does that look like? What does that mean? How did I find out? What's happened since then? What does mild intellectual disability look like in an 18-year-old? What does it look like in a 13-year-old? What did it look like in you know, uh, a 10-year-old when, when, when they got diagnosed? So uh, there'll be that. So I love, you know, I love the, um, the idea of story and um, sharing your experiences. Um, I do love the premise or the, what brought you to the sort of podcast world. So what's the name of your podcast? The Friend I Wish I Had. The Friend I Wish I Had. And where, I remember when you told me what it was about podcasting that really sort of um, what you connected to. So what is your history with, with podcasting? So my connection is when I was isolating myself from fear of judgment and, and human interaction, uh, I used to listen to podcasts. That was it. That, that, that was my go-to. Those were my friends and my ears. I used to hear them. They used to talk to me. They couldn't judge me. They didn't know who I was, but the message that I was receiving meant the world to me. It was what I needed to hear. It reminded me that maybe I wasn't a piece of shit depending on what podcast I was listening to. Um, so it was my connection to somebody, anybody that could possibly make me feel a little less guilty about how I was feeling at that moment for whatever reason, whatever I was going through. Um, and they were my friends and, and, and I wished that I had a friend. I love that you're taking this opportunity to um, take the aspects of your story and again, shine light on the different pieces that you had gone through in a way that for those of us listening and seeking out someone to help us walk through our own struggles and, and, and obstacles that we can do so in a way that matches the energy level that we're trying to achieve, right? We different than listening to someone bitch and complain and go down into it. When you share your stories with such a, an air of matter of fact and confidence and love it gives us the opportunity to go there with you without having to go down into it. And so for ourselves, we don't, we, we get into this habit of being able to sh listen to our own stories and walk through our own sort of narrative without having to go down into it, but just being with it and going, okay. And then see the little pinhole of light. I'm going to follow that. So that's what I'm most excited about. Um, for your podcast in particular, because I think that you just have such a, a gift and, and such a fantastic story that so many people are going to be able to benefit from. Ooh. Ooh. So, so very cool. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So what, what is your hope for the podcast? What is it that you, you know, if, if this happens, you'd be like, it was all worth it. Honestly, I would just like to continue to be the friend I wish I had. I, if, if, even if I could ever get one review, one comment that said, your podcast was what I needed to hear at this particular moment in my life, I'd be like, mic drop, I'm done. <laughs> like, I, I am so very excited to have done this. I mean, 
at the beginning of our working together there, if someone would have said, you're going to start your own podcast in six months, I would have been like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> like I couldn't even handle a Zoom call, never mind, start a podcast and telling uh, complete strangers like the most vulnerable story I think I have. So the fact that I've done it and I'm so proud of it is is just, it's incredible. It's, it's such a great feeling. And I'm so proud of myself for doing it. Um, but I, I have seen resistance rear its ugly head. And um, I've heard my inner critic, which we named, uh, well, I named Julie, I've heard her <laughs> try to stop me um, in, in all of this, which sometimes can get heavy. Um, so that inner critic does come even to the most confident of us. Um, for example, most people would think, oh, she's got her shit together. She's good. She's got a podcast. She must have, that must have been great. Like she's got it. She's got the confidence. Yeah, no, it, uh, I, I hear that internal negative voice. She, she continuously tries to stop me. Um, and I'm going to share with you for your podcast, something that I, I shared with you the other day. Um, that big moment of resistance came when I decided to tell my kids the truth and they didn't know that I was an addict. They had no idea. So in making my podcast public and, and sharing it with the world and having that story of addiction in there before my children could ever hear it, I wanted them to know and to hear it from me first. Well, that is a punch in the stomach all in itself it was very very scary and I was very worried of what that might do to my children or how they would react and nevertheless it was something that I had to do and I did I had that conversation with my with my kids and I am very happy and proud to say that my children are so wonderful and so loving and I, I'm able to actually see their love for me unfold in like I see it happen right in front of me and I'm and I'm so grateful for that um, and I remember when I told them you know I have something I need to talk to you guys about and it's a secret that I have I've kept from you for a very long time but you guys are at an age now where you guys can understand and you need to know I said uh mommy was an addict for 17 years and she's been clean for seven years and they just I saw their brains start to turn and just try to understand because it was like they were looking at me but they didn't understand what that meant like addict and mom they didn't go together like our mom when like how it was all of these questions that they had in their head and I remember one of my sons said but you don't look like an addict and I thought this is it this is a chance this is when I get to explain to them well what does an addict look like and they were like I thought they were like the people who live on the streets and like don't have money or, and I was like, well, you see, addicts don't look a certain way. An addict could be your mom, could be your friend, could be your dad, could be anybody could be an addict. And I think that from that moment on, they started to appreciate the fact that addicts don't have a look. They, it could be anybody. And that doesn't mean that they're a bad person either because they looked at me and they were like, but you're like the best mom in the world. And I was like, I know. <laughs> no, I was like, yeah, no. Um, it was just that they understood, they get it. They're like, okay. So addict doesn't mean bad people. Moms could be addicts but people can be clean. And then they said, so you're telling everybody you are, why? And I said, because there's probably people in the world who are going through the same thing I did when I was an addict and I didn't want to tell anybody and I felt alone. 
So I want people to know that they're not alone. And then my son said, you want to be the friend you wish you had? The friend I wish I had. He's like, that makes so much sense. I was like, yes. And he's like, that's so smart. I was like, right. He's like, mom, you're the friend I wish I had. I get it. I was like, yeah. So it all came full circle. And my resistance, as much as it was very scary, didn't work out because my kids embraced the idea. They love me the same. Their image of me hasn't changed at all. I think if anything, they're like, wow, mom, like you're kick-ass. Thanks. You know? And I was like, stop. I love you guys. <laughs> when when you told me that story, I cried. And I'm right now I'm having like all the feels. It's it was fucking awesome. Sandy, it has it this has been fantastic and just such a pleasure to chat with you and to um, hear your story and to hear um, how you have um, walked that journey through hot mess to awesomeness. And um, I'm, I'm wondering, what is it that you want the listeners to know? What is one bit of wisdom that you would like them to walk away with today? One bit of wisdom is 100%. You're not alone. Nobody is alone. I, I feel like there's always somebody in the world going through something. You are somewhere. The world is such a big place. And that person could be right next to you. So just be willing to share a little bit about you. And I'm pretty sure you're going to get back that happened to me too and you realize you're not alone everybody has something that's awesome and so true and um taking that time to tune in and finding the way to trust those individuals who are like your husband, saying what you want to hear, even though you're not sure how to hear it and being willing to show up to it. Um, you know, the, the believing mirrors in your life, uh, they could be the longtime friends, they could be acquaintances, they could be the friend that you wish you had on the other end of the podcast. Um, they all matter. And uh, just such a, an important message that we are not alone. And it's our responsibility to be open to that idea so that we can receive what is available. Awesome. Brilliant. Sandy, it has been, like I said, it has been a pleasure. And for those of you who are interested in, in taking this conversation a little bit further, I invite you to join us over in the Awesomeness Academy for the podcast chat. So Sandy is a member of the Awesomeness Academy and she is there in our safe space, in our safe community, where you can ask questions and, and let us know um, what resonated with you about this episode or all the episodes. So... Uh, www.theawesomenessacademy.com. Please come over and join us and we will talk to you very soon. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness.